Looking for a fun way to win 25 times your money this football and basketball season? Test your skills on Prize Picks, the most exciting way to play daily fantasy sports. Just select two or more players, pick more or less on their projection for a wide variety of stats, and place your entry. It's as easy as that. If you have the skills, you can turn $10 into $250 with just a few taps. Easy gameplay, quick withdrawals, and injury insurance on your picks are what make Prize Picks the number one daily fantasy sports app. Ready to test your skills? Join the Prize Picks community of more than 7 million players who have already signed up. Right now, Prize Picks will match your first deposit up to $100. Just visit prizepicks.com/play100 and use code play100. That's code play100 at prizepicks.com/play100 for a first deposit match up to $100. Prize Picks, daily fantasy sports made easy. Hello ladies and gentlemen and welcome back to Grassroots Cricket in this special preview of the World Test Championship Final which is set to be played between India and Australia at the Oval in a few days time. With me I have the rock star of cricket journalism Jared Kimber and creative head of Grassroots Cricket Hijab Zahid. So guys tell me how pumped are you for this one-off game? Um, I still haven't got accreditation so at the moment I'm still trying to work out how I get into the ground. No look I think World Test Championship if you like test cricket, it's just a great thing. It doesn't really matter who you support, right? It's, uh, I, I know as someone who grew up watching Sheffield Shield finals, it was, that was always the best thing, even if Victoria didn't make it on those very rare years. Um, you, you know, it's something else. It's a must-win game that we don't really have as much of in test cricket unless, you know, it's one all going in a three series or two all going into the you know, fifth um, test. We don't get that many of them. And then to have something where you had to earn it over two years' time, is it's huge. What about you, Hijab? It's the pinnacle of oh, the absolutely. sport, really, if you think uh, about it. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. It's test cricket we're talking about. It's back. And although this is a one-off game, I'm still very, very excited for this. And like Jerry said, it doesn't really matter who you support. You just, you're just you just there as a lover of the, support, the sport itself and not just supporting it. As a, as a supporter of a team, you know, so it's really good to watch. And I wish I had the accreditation problem myself, but no, nothing like that. So we're just going to be watching it at home on our TVs, but uh, definitely pumped about it. And also pumped about this conversation we're just going to be having. So thank you so much for joining us today, Jared. It's, it's really nice to have you here. No problems. All right, let's kick this off then. First thing I think we need to discuss is the obvious question. I think everyone's been talking about it. Two of India's biggest stars in Jaspreet Bumrah, who in my books is the best pacer they've ever had. And also Rishabh Pant, who was the hero in India's win in Australia at the Gabba. He scored those runs and he's been absolutely imperative to India's cause in Test cricket. Those are two big names missing from India's lineup. And how much do you think that will impact India in, in this final? Yeah, I'm... I mean, Jasper Bumrah, there's no real replacement. Some, someone tweeted me today saying, you know, Michael Nisa's replacing Josh Hazelwood. You know, how does this change Australia? How good's Nisa? And I was like, well, it doesn't matter how good Nisa is. If he wasn't in the squad before, right? <laughs> and Josh Hazelwood is Josh Hazelwood. There's no replacement, right? No one outside of Jadeja and Akshar Patel, does anyone in the world have a born replacement for, for <laughs> one of their best bowling weapons? It's just not a thing that teams have. So at best, you're looking at you know, their fourth, fifth, sixth best seam bowler, depending on how many other injuries they have. And as you said, Jasprit Bumrah is the best bowler they've had since Mohamed Nissa. Um, you have to go back a little bit for that one. He was pretty handy too. <laughs> uh, but, you know, they, they haven't had anyone like him before. He's absolutely sensational. So 
even if you thought they had five great fast bowlers, which you probably, do, you know, these days probably not quite thinking they do, um, it's still whoever comes in that side is going to be worse, right? And Australia would be, I think if Boomer was playing, I'm not sure I'd have Australia as the favourites in the way that I do. So that's a big one for me. Rishabh Pant is, uh, you know, because KS Barrett hasn't made any runs yet. I think he averages 20 in test cricket. He's maybe played one innings. It was a tough test series to make any runs in when he started, of course. Um, it's an, it, uh, there's no way that KS Barrett's going to have the same kind of impact. Even if they both made runs in this test, Rishabh Pant, again, is going to worry the Australian team in a way that KS Barrett is not going to. doesn't mean that he can't make runs and even be better in the test. So I think from that perspective, there's no way that he can cover either of those two players. And the best way of understanding that is, at the moment, they are both on the trajectory of being, as you said, the India's greatest pace bowler and certainly India's greatest uh, wicketkeeper batter and one of India's greatest attacking batters as well. Mm-hmm. How do you cover that? Yeah, you don't. You just pick someone else and hope they do okay. Yeah, you'd like to add something to that, Hijab? No, I actually agree to that, but I do have a question regarding this whole Rishabh Pant situation. Did you, do, you, do you think that India really missed a trick when they didn't include Saha, like considering his recent form as well? And, you know, he was one of the players who might have been considered for this for, for, as a Rishabh Pant's replacement there. I think they think KS Barrett is better than Ritman Saha with the bat. Even if we haven't seen it ourselves yet, I think they... If they wanted lower, less mistakes, I suppose Saha is the better player. If they want the player with maybe a better ceiling, then that probably is KS Barra. Um, I mean, he's not, he's played four tests now, but he's also 30 years old. He's not a kid or anything like that. If they were throwing in a 22-year-old that maybe didn't have uh, much behind him, I think that would be a different situation. And, you know, you could make a claim then that if they had the option between that and Saha, you'd probably pick Saha. Um they, the, the only interesting thing I would say is that they made a very, very conscious effort to go with Ajinki Rahane, despite the fact that, you know, everyone in India had given up on Ajinki Rahane so long ago that it's kind of remarkable that that was still happening. But that they, they also saw in Ajinki Rahane someone who had found new form. I can't remember how many double centuries. He, he, he's made a lot of double centuries recently in first-class cricket. Uh, and 190-odd, I think, as well. He's made a lot of scores over 190 is maybe the best way of looking at it. I'm not sure that Ritman Zaha has been off there, you know, scoring at such a level where that, that's worth coming back in. But it's, it's a very good question. You know, we know Zaha's probably the best wicketkeeper. And he's a very experienced player. And he won't make many errors. But perhaps they just think that that's slightly stronger batting. Um, is more important. I would have probably just brought Saha over anyway and had both of them there. And then depending on whether you want to pick four bowlers or five bowlers or you want extra batting or you, if you want the two spinners in, then you probably want the, the better wicketkeeper. I would have made the decision there and then. They have, they're obviously very clear on who their number two wicketkeeper is at the moment and uh, they've made that decision. Yeah, it's rather surprising really when you see Ishan Kishan's name above or ahead of Saha because for me personally, I would have gone for Saha because he does bring a lot of experience. He has a lot of test matches under his belt. And this isn't a series. It's a one-off game. So for that reason alone, I would have brought him in. But you make a very valid point about Rahane and if he's going to play, he is bringing in that experience, right? So they do maybe kind of make up for it. But uh, let's move on to Australia now, of course, Jared. And Josh Hazelwood, today it was announced that he won't be fit for the World Test Championship final. Now, neither of Michael Nisa or Scotty Boland are Josh Hazelwood. But Scotty Boland has had an emphatic start 
to his Australian career. Build this man a statue, as they say. And then also Michael Nisa. I mean, you spend a lot of time with Bharat and we all know how big a fan of Nisa Bharat is. He's got some runs as well in this county championship for Grimorgan and he's taken wickets quite regularly. So which one of these two guys would you prefer to have in the lineup at the Test Championship final? Because Hazel, Hazel was not going to be there. I know Boland already annoys England. Um, mm-hmm. I was talking to someone the other day, it might have been Vish, and he was talking about the fact that they just they they don't like the way the ball comes out of his hand, which is it's a bizarre thing. I think it was Oli Pope who was saying, or one of the players was saying, that it comes out really still, and it freaks them out that they can see the seam so well. And obviously his bubble ball is very good. He bowls a he bowls a length that could really bother. It's a little bit shorter than everyone else in the world. Everyone else in the world's bowling that very, very full length at the moment. Scotty Boland's almost a more traditional, you know, sort of West Indian back of a length bowler at mm-hmm. times. Uh, you know, strong, big dude. So I think he comes in for Hazelwood because I think they were trying to work out how to get Boland in for a couple of tests anyway, even with mm-hmm. Hazelwood there. So I, I've got no problem with that. Michael Nisa is, again... I, I think on the face of it, I would say that Nisa and Boland, neither of them really profile like test bowlers and and they profile like very, very good first class bowlers. But Boland's done so well that now you have to wonder if Nisa wouldn't do just as well. One thing I would say is Nisa's batting is massively overrated. I'm not saying he can't hold a bat, but I've heard things like where people say things, oh, he could bat at number seven for Australia. I mean, he could if like someone above him broke his arm. Right, like you know, if a player gets lost on the way to the ground, Michael Nisa could physically bat at number seven, but he's not a number seven batter in Test cricket, um, and probably not even that close to that kind of player. But if you've got, if he's in a side where you have Cummins um, and you have Stark, and then you have Nisa, suddenly you have a lot of batting very, very deep, and that is a really interesting thing for Australia. And we've seen that at times. It's you know. Our, it's, they haven't had a lot of bowling, very good bowlers who are proper all-rounders, but they've always seemed to have Paul Rifle and Shane Warne and now, you know, Cummins and Stark who can all hold back. Mitchell Johnson was another one. Those are all very handy when you start to stack them together. But Nisa's nice skillful. You know, these are both bowlers. I remember when Bolin was picked for the Australian squad before he even played a test. My first thing was, I remember talking to one in English journalist going, it's so weird to me, he's never played county cricket because I've been watching Boland for over a decade and he's just mm-hmm. a county bowler. He's just, I would say now he's better than he's ever been. But if you would have picked him eight years ago from uh, when he came, he came in from the country or 12 years ago when he first came in from the country, you would have gone, no one's going to hit him in county cricket for a long period of time. So in that case, him and Nisa are ideally suited to these conditions this might be worse if they were going to you know uh an asian conditions or perhaps even west indian conditions or south african conditions but specifically in england uh they're not losing as much uh if they go with one of these bowlers but over the whole ashes it could be a bigger issue Mm. because josh hazelwood um, i think was it you and me or me and barra that that said that we thought that hazelwood would probably be the leading wicket taker in the ashes and that's looking yeah it's looking less likely already right yeah it's quite impossible now. I mean, we don't know when he'll be fit, but anything you want to add to that, Hijab? No, that's the... Jared pretty much covered it like it was supposed to be, but I do want to talk about, like, you spoke about the depth in the batting and obviously the all-rounders as well uh, with respect to Australia and India. So if we look at their lineups and we see, like, we look at the players and everything, who do you think is going to be more crucial to their team? Who's going to be that, bring that X factor? Is it going to be someone like Ravindra Jadeja for India? Do you see Cameron Green doing that? The same thing for Australia. What, who is, is going to be the key to pull this off? Well, Green, Green is more important to Australia in these conditions because he can play as the fourth seamer. 
it, we don't even know if Jadeja will be the first spinner or the second spinner. Um, so that is a big, big difference. Also, Green is probably going to bat higher. So in these sp specific conditions, I think he is more important. There are some places where Green's use is really to get an extra spinner in the side, right? That's obviously not going to be the case here. We saw Jadeja bowl in... Uh, in the last test he was in England, I'm trying to remember where that was. I know I covered it, but I can't remember where I was. Whichever city I was in. Wait, wait, where was I? I want to look out. Edgebaston? I think it was Um He couldn't really slow England down as much as he wanted to. He, the style of bowling he has is, it's very, it's very dependent on the conditions uh, and less so on just being a very, you know, tactical spin bowler. So from that perspective, uh, he's not as handy. Also, Australia has like, a buttload of left arm, uh, left handers, mm. and so the left arm finger spinner is not as important in in that way. Green allows them to have four genuine seamers and still have their spinner in their side without any problems there. And he's also probably going to be a fairly important batter in this. And I think Jadeja's batting is equally important, but he'll probably do that from well. My guess is he'll probably do that maybe from one position lower. Um, it, that that might depend on. If they pull that rabbit out of the hat and go with Dishan Kishan, it might. But I, I'm still assuming it's going to be KS Barrett, unless I've heard, I, until I'm told specifically that I'm wrong. But um, Jadeja gives them the flexibility because I don't think Australia need right at the moment. Australia is not looking for Cameron Green for flexibility. They literally mm -hmm. we got we need you to bowl 12 to 15 overs in a day. Uh, we need you to be very tall, um, and then we need you to make you know, average 40 over the six tests altogether and certainly, you know, be quite handy in this particular uh, this particular World Test Championship. Yeah, I mean, he is a great asset to have. He had a wonderful IPL as well, scored a ton for Mumbai Indians in, what, 47 balls. I know that doesn't mean much in red ball cricket, but he's still, you know, gaining yeah. a lot of confidence. He was decent in Pakistan as well, Cam Green, and I am really excited to see him not only in this one-off test, but also in the Ashes. And I guess my next question uh, to both of you really is that we look at two batting lineups which have really, really powerful top fours. In Australia, you have Australian Test Cricketer of the Year in Asman Khwaja, who is, you know, experiencing a purple patch late into his career. David Warner, who is, you know, leaving the game soon, <laughs> at least the test format. He has announced that his SCG test versus Pakistan later this year will probably be his last. But he's not been, you know, in a good run of form. It's been quite lean for him, actually. And then you've got Manas Labushain, one of the stories of Test cricket in the last three, four years, or maybe it's been a bit more than that. And Steve Smith, who has the best batting average after Don Bradman. Compare that to Rohit Sharma, you know, found his feet in Test cricket later, later in his career, but he is, you know, a premier batter. Then you've got Shubman Gill, lots of promise, not as potent perhaps in Test cricket, but he's still, you know, right up there in terms of upcoming players. Virat Kohli, of course, at number four is one of the greatest to ever play the game. And Pujara at three might be the most crucial player for India in this test match, at least as per my assessment. So what do you guys think? Who has the better top four? And in these conditions at the Oval, where you do get good batting conditions in day two, days two, three, four, who is better suited? What do you guys say? Good job. No, okay, it's me. Okay, um, uh, where, where, where to start? I think at the moment you could say that Rohit is a better opener in Test match cricket than Warner, and I think he's a better player in English conditions. I think you'd have to say that Kawaja, for what he's done over the last couple of years, is certainly more important than Shubin Gill at the moment. That's not to say that Shubin Gill isn't about to be a better player than Kawaja, but if, if you're doing that, so that kind of nullifies that opening partnership, I think, um, as it currently stands. 
I think Lubbershane and Smith are certainly in form that Virat Kohli and Pajara uh, haven't seen for quite some time. The one advantage for Pajara specifically is he spent about a year and a half playing cricket in England now. Um, yeah. Second division, of course, but Manus has been playing second division a lot of, of that as well. Um, so you would have to say that Manus is the more uh, informed overall of, of those two players. And at the moment, Smith is certainly... Smith, Smith and Coley both had a slump when, when, the, uh, when, when it got tough for people facing seam bowling and test cricket. Mm-hmm. But uh, Smith has had a bit of a bounce back and Coley so far probably hasn't had quite as much of a bounce back. And also for Coley, he goes back home and has to play on wickets where averaging 15 is not that bad in India <laughs> at times. So it's hard, to get, it's hard to get your mind back into test cricket when you're going back to play you know, on a, a pitch made of landmines. So I think Australia, all things considered, has the better top four. But I don't think it's a similar situation to what we have seen at other times where... Um, you know, if, if you look at the what those players have done at their absolute best, it would probably be a little bit closer. Um, you might give the edge in the opening slightly to India if you're a big Shubman Gill person. Mm-hmm. But the number three and the four, I think you'd have to be honest at the moment and say that Smith and Labashane certainly have them covered by a particular distance there. I, I think where it gets more and more interesting is you know, how it goes all the way down the order, right? So the top fours are incredibly important. But Australia have been saved by, you know, Smith and Lubbershane uh, so many times now. Where Whereas India's middle order really, you know, beyond, well, for even Pajara, but Pajara, Kohli, when Rahane was there, even when Rishabh Pant was there, was just a little bit flabbier and wasn't working. Uh, so how do all those things go? Green and Jadeja that we've already talked about is really interesting. Barak, Kishan, slash Alex Carey in, in those sorts of positions. I don't think, it, for me, I think the difference is the fact that Australia probably has the slight edge in, in the seam bowling at the moment, just because Boomer's not there. But in the batting, I'm not sure that I'm massively keen on the, the entire batting lineup. But it's just the Smith and Labashane bit is so good that it's hard to go past. Right. I mean, I do, I do mirror that sentiment. Um, I do think that it's a little bit more closer than, you know, we, we, you, you see the lineups on paper, but then you see them perform. It's two different things, obviously. The form obviously matters a lot. Um, it matters where you're coming from, like you said, switching from one format to another. Mm. That's another thing. But I do feel like Australia might have had just a little bit of edge uh, considering their opening partnership. The, both the, both their openers are much more experienced than what India has at the moment. If you are a young blood enthusiast like I am, you would obviously be, uh, would love to watch Shubman Gill get 100 um, in that test. Uh, and, and why not? He has been in fantastic form and he is someone uh, that basically excites every uh, cricket fan around the world. But I do feel like Australia might have had a little bit of edge considering the current form of the players, obviously. And obviously, we, we also have to look at the bowling attack because if you're talking about top four, you have to look at the pace bowling attack of both the teams. So if you want to look at India's and then you want to look at Australia's, I think that Australia's is a, is, is, is a little bit better than India's right now. I mean, unfortunate for India that Bumrah is not playing. If he was, it would have been a different story. But since he's not there, I think they might be a little bit on back foot. So I would say that I would mirror Jared's sentiment that I would say that Australia has a bit of an edge here. Well, just on the bowlers, we, you take Hazelwood out, and I think that evens it up a little bit more. But the problem for India is there is no replacement for Bumrah. There is no 
Boomerah, you know, there is no uh, Akshar Patel version of Boomerah, right? The, <laughs> whereas you look at Australia and you go, well, Boland comes in. He kind of is the Akshar Patel version of, 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 of Hazelwood. Slightly different bowler, not quite as quick, you know, um, a different kind of action, all those sorts of things. But essentially, they're both line and length bowlers uh, mm -hmm. who are very skillful. And with Boomerah, you want the explosiveness, you want the extra pace, you want the weird action and everything else. And it's, Australia's had similar problems when Mitchell Stark has not been bowling very well in Test cricket or when he's been injured. It's like, there is no backup Mitchell Stark. There's Mitchell Stark, you know, and I don't have to tell Pakistani fans this because there's Shaheen Afridi and then there's yeah. everyone else, right? There are some players who cannot be replaced because there is not an obvious uh, replacement for them. And I think that's another reason that Australia, even though Hazelwood, and Hazelwood was always... Iffy, anyway, I think we th we thought that he was going to be fit for this test, but because they had the sixth test, there was always a chance that the first or second test he may not have been pushed for because they want him to play as much as possible. Yeah, I think I'd agree with all of that analysis for the most part. I think uh, Australia definitely have the better bowling attack. I mean, had Hazelwood been available, it was not even a conversation. And even with him out, I think they do have the better bowling attack because without Bumrah, India lose a lot, you know, and Siraj and Shami are good. I like them. But then you have what Shadul Thakur probably partnering them. And even though he's had success probably in not. England, I have my I have my doubts. Uh, but with respect to the batting, I would say that, I mean, I know Hijab wants a Shubman Gil 100, but I'm from Islamabad and Osman Khwaja was born here. So Uzi has my vote. I want an Osman Khwaja 100 and I want an iconic celebration to go with that. He's had a few good ones, hasn't he? And uh, yeah, I'd agree that Rohit Sharma better bat than Warner by a distance right now, even particularly especially in, in England. Especially yeah. in England, like he's I think cool. you can make a claim that he's just better than him everywhere at the moment, which is absolutely fine. Yeah. But Warner hasn't conquered England, right? And the last time he was here, he didn't bat particularly well. I had a chat with him the other day, obviously at the press conference. He seemed pretty confident. But Rohit Sharma has made runs in England of recent times and has opened very well in England. Mm -hmm. So it's, it would be hard to ever say that Warner was better than Rohit in that situation. Yeah, absolutely concur. And I think one really good point that you made over here is, of course, that Virat Kohli is a big name in cricket, but he hasn't had that form in Test cricket, right? Steve Smith averages nearly 60. And if you look at Manas and Pujara, that is a very interesting contest because, of course, Manas has had a prolific start to Test cricket, but Pujara has played for Sussex for what now? Two years, and he's captained them as well, and he's been playing in those conditions. So that is an interesting one. I'd really be keen to see what happens over there because, you know, Glamorgan is a good team. But again, I believe it's Division 2, isn't it, Jared? Manus uh, yeah, is playing in Division 2. They're both in Division 2. Uh, yeah. Pajara's in Division 2 because um, Ollie Robinson bowled to him for Sussex recently, got him out in the first innings, and then Manus made 100 in the second. Yeah, it, look, I think you've got Smith, Manus, and uh, Pajara. I'm trying to think. I think those are the only three of that lot who've played county cricket recently. I can't mm -hmm. remember last time Kawaja Michael played. Nisa. <laughs> well, yeah, sorry, of the batters, I should say. <laughs> Um, and, and yet, you know, there is a second division element to it, which is not quite at the same level, obviously as the first division, but you are on wickets that sometimes give assistance. You are facing the juice balls in England, mm -hmm. you know, all those sorts of things are still there. We saw the, the, uh, uh, Island test at Lords, you know, uh, Ben Stokes asked for a flat pitch. Um, and he wanted, you know, he wanted his players to, you know, be able to play their shots and everything that first morning. I'm not sure the England players would have been able to play their shots because that's what happens in England. Pajara, you know, Manus and, and Smith all have that advantage, right, of doing that. And you've got a lot of players who've come straight from 
the IPL who haven't had as much time to get used to all mm -hmm. this sort of stuff. So Warner talked about the fact that he likes going straight from white ball cricket to red ball cricket because he thinks he brings the natural run scoring with him. There are many other players who don't and, and they prefer the opposite. And, you know, they, you only have to listen to the Irish players talking about their test match to, to hear that, you know, there, if you, there are a lot of players who just don't feel that comfortable if they don't have a lot of red ball cricket behind them. So at least three of the batters of the top order, and I'd have to think back, but I can't think of too many others that have played of recent times, would feel a little bit more comfortable than everyone else will. Yeah, and particularly, you know, in Australia's bowling's case, I think the one guy they would want to get out ASAP would be Chiteshwar Pujara because there's some nightmares over there from past tours, which brings me, I suppose, to uh, the final concluding sort of topic is that you have to go all the way back to 2014-15. That is when Australia last won the Border Gavaskar Trophy versus India. And since then, India, of course, have won at home uh, multiple times and won in Australia twice, which is a big landmark for any Asian team. But then again, they're depleted and probably and not probably most definitely more depleted than Australia. And this is a one-off fixture at the Oval where, you know, conditions are alien to both teams. I personally do feel that Australia still have an edge over here, but dare I write India off? I just want your final comments, both of you, on what you think is going to happen and who do you think is in better position given the history and the makeup of both squads? Yeah, I think if you look back, it, it's worth saying that India have won twice in Australia, even though this is in England, so it's a bit different again. But it, it's worth pointing that out. It's also worth pointing out that they were depleted in at least mm. one of those series. I think those the other one, one were... that second series, they were massively depleted. Like yeah. no one was available. It was it was incredible. The one thing I would say is both times that they won, they won the series by tiring out the Australian bowlers over the course of that series. That's not going to be the case this time, right? And, and also, I said this, I think, in the middle of that second one, uh, which I covered quite closely, was you could see the Australian bowlers tiring. They had to um, do more resting um, in that series, and they didn't. And because of that, by the time they got to the end, they didn't just didn't have what they needed to be able to get through that. That's not going to be an issue here. It's one test. Um, they're going to be going very, very hard. You know, Nisa or Boland, probably Boland. Uh, I, Boland's playing for his entire summer, right? Mm -hmm. So it's not just World Test Championship for him. It's He's probably playing for the next couple of years because if he takes a bunch of wickets in this game, he probably plays more in the Ashes, possibly takes a few more wickets there, sets himself up um, in the future. Mitchell Stark is a chance of retiring. Mm. Is the best way I would, I would put it. Uh, Mitchell Stark is one of the few Australian players who has not cashed in on the T20 boom. And he's been the good boy and he stayed at home and he's done everything he's supposed to. And I think he'll be looking at his bank balance a little bit eventually and going, he might want to go. So for Boland and for Nisa and for Jai Richardson and for anyone else who, you know, would get a opportunity, you're not just playing for the next test. You might be playing for the next couple of years. Mm -hmm. So all of that certainly plays a part. I think that right at the moment, because Australia is fresh, I think you'd have to say that they are the slight favourites based on everything that we've said here. But when we say there's slight favourites, it's not like 70% chance of Australia winning and 30% chance of India winning, right? It's probably somewhere around 55 to 57% chance Australia win and, you know, 45% chance that India win would be my guess. I haven't, I haven't talked to the bookies. I don't know how they feel about these <laughs> things. Um, but especially with Hazelwood not being there, I would have thought that that would have come down, which means that India has plenty of chance to be able to win this game. And I think, at, you know, as it currently stands, um, you probably prefer, not that anyone is gambling, but if people were gambling, you'd prefer to have your money on Australia than India. Um, 
but I don't think that means India is a bad team. I just think it means that they are marginally. They don't. I don't think India need that many things to go in their favour. Perfect example, just the Ireland Test match we were talking about at Lords the other day. Ireland end up losing by ten wickets. Could have been in innings, right? But if they bowled first, it would have been a far different shape game because they would have got the ball nipping about early on off the seam. And then they would have got the ball swinging for a long period of time. And then the pitch would have flattened out. They got the worst of the conditions twice <laughs> in that game. <laughs> and when the conditions actually favored their batters, they made over 300, despite the fact that they lost a lot of you know more wickets in the middle than they probably should have. And one of their batters didn't even go out. He injured himself ducking a bouncer mm. uh, by engineering his ankle, I, which is one of the more ridiculous injuries I've ever seen. The point is that India only need a little bit of the right toss to go their way, you know, the right drop catch, maybe injury inside of game. And they are slight favorites in this game. And I think that's a perfectly reasonable way to look at this. I, you know, I think India have been the better team overall. Um, but in these, right as, as they match up at the moment, I think it would be hard to say that Australia isn't slightly better than them. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'd say the same, actually. I think if India was full strength, I would have been backing them all the way at the moment. Uh, but since they're not, I mean, obviously the history comes in, in, in the question and the recent wins that they've had in Australia. They weren't small wins by any chance. Uh, they fought back uh, vigorously. So I, I do believe that if India was full strength, I would have been backing them. I would have said it was more like 60-40 if they were full strength. Since they're not, and also because of the, new, the news that we received today regarding Josh Hazelworth, that he's not there. Now things are like pretty much balanced, if you ask me. It's it's like 49-51, I would say, at the moment. 51 being Australia, I'd say. I'll, I'll give them a little bit of edge um, there uh, because obviously uh, India is missing their premium pace bowler, but also their main wicketkeeper as well. So I think, I think India uh, is a little bit more, um, I would say, I, I, I use the same word, depleted at the moment, yeah. But they're not short on uh, confidence and they're not short on, let's say, the passion to take it all the way through because they have been the finalists um, in the previous cycle. They have had uh, tournaments where they have been finalists and semi-finalists, but they've never, they haven't been able to cross that line since, I don't know, 20, 2011? Uh, was the last time they won an ICC tournament? 2013. 2013. 2013, Champions 2013, yeah. yeah. So, yeah, like, like a decade ago. After that, nothing. <laughs> it's, it's been 10 years. It's been well, 10 the final years. Thing, the final thing's interesting because Indian fans are, are absolutely certain that there's, like, they're, they're chokers. Their team is chokers. <laughs> and you do the analysis and you're like, there's actually probably pretty good reasons in white ball cricket why they haven't won a tournament since. Not that they haven't been good, but why they haven't specifically won a tournament. That's not quite the case with the World Test Championship. They run up against the World Test Championship just at the end where New Zealand's three great fast bowlers were, you know, still around and they were finding this new one that was about to come in. All their batters hadn't retired, right? You know, they still had BJ Watling and they still had Ross Taylor and everything. So they went up against a very, very strong New Zealand team in conditions that were going to be suited to New Zealand. Right here, as we as we go to the Oval, and I'm around the corner from the Oval, I wouldn't say there's anything about the conditions at the moment that suggest um, that Australia should be massively favoured over India from a conditions point of view. And Hazelwood's not playing. So there are things that are now back slightly in India's favour. Um, I don't really believe in, in the finals um, hoodoo. But the thing is, at a certain point, players start to believe in those sorts of things as well. And if they get in front 
and then, I don't know, Travis Head comes out or Alex Carey comes out and starts slugging the ball around, that's when we're going to find out if there's anything to the kind of Indian final thing um, at all. But I, I think they're a much better test team and much more equipped to win the World Test Championship final. I mean, they've, they've been in both editions of the final, right? And New Zealand haven't and Australia haven't. So there is, there is something to be said for the consistency they've had over that four-year period. Um, and whereas in one-day cricket and T20 cricket, I do think they had flaws that actually might come back to bite them a little bit more. Whereas I don't see the flaws here, except for the fact that, you know, Rishabh Khan, uh, Rishabh Pant had a car accident. Rishabh Khan? I don't know who he is. <laughs> I, I heard something completely different. Oh, okay. I don't think I said that. I think I, I, think I was going to say Rishabh Khan. I don't know why. Rishabh Khan had a car accident and Jasper Boomer gets injured a lot, right? That, that's the only major mistakes that they've really made coming in uh, to this one. Um, the only other thing I would say is that I think as important as the World Test Championship is to India, because Australia has six tests, there is a part where, to them, it's just another one of the six tests and they might play it slightly looser. And if they lose it, they're like, well, we gave it a chance and, and, and we were there. Whereas for India, it's like, you've got to prepare for... You know, it'd be like doing a 100-meter dash at the Olympics when you haven't actually like run for a couple of months and you're expected still to be you know, at, your, at your top. That's a hard thing to do, right? You know, there's no... They're not here... No, no particularly good warm-up at all before going into this final. It's a very, very interesting thing. Yeah, well, you're an Aussie yourself, Jared. What would you prefer, winning the Ashes or winning the World Test Championship? I prefer winning the World Test Championship, but I'd be in the minority there uh, about mm. it. Australia. Uh, look, I, I think if it, when Australia win the World Test Championship, they'll take it seriously. So I don't know if you, 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 you two know, but like before the Champions Trophy, before Australia ever won the Champions Trophy, and even now a little bit, no one in Australia takes it seriously because we haven't won it like four times, right? <laughs> um, World T20, again, not particularly taken seriously in Australia because we haven't won it that many times, right? Whereas the ODI World Cup, well, that's what, one of the most important things in the world. And I think that there is an element of Australians only think it's important when they've started winning it. And now, oh, well, we've won it four times. It must be the most important tournament. So I think the World Test Championship is more important because it's played over two years. And also... It's a neutral venue, which is a really cool thing. Um, you know, I, I wish it was over three tests, but the neutral venue element of it is really cool. And I hope, you know, who knows what will happen with the World Test Championship, but I hope that they start to change it around. And you know, we see it played in Gaul at one time and you see it in South Africa or the West Indies or wherever else, New Zealand, all these different places. But I do like the idea of having two venues ready for the final and flipping a coin and just seeing where it lands. It's like, oh, you want to play at goal because you've got four spinners in your side, but actually, you know, uh, we're going to Sabina Park. Good luck. Not that they would ever play it at Sabina Park. But <laughs> I, so I do like that element of it. It's, it's a final, right? The Ashes are not a final. They're brilliant things, but... You know, in five minutes' time, um, Australia's going to be in another Ashes, and they don't even have to qualify. Yeah. Well, there are lots of fun ideas over there, of course. And you both talked about, you know, both sides being very close to each other, especially after Hazelwood's injury. I think, Jared, you said 57-43, and Ajab said 51-49. I'm going to go 65-35 in favor of Australia. And since wow. this is a one-off test, 35 all out India. Scotty Boland takes a seven for, gives away six runs. That's my prediction. But just on a closing <laughs> note, how that's much quite a average? hot take. All of that how is much, a hot take. How much does Scotty Boland average in Test cricket? Is it what 14, 13, something it's, around that, right? Yeah, it's still one of the. Isn't it the fourth best 
bowling average of all time over 30 wickets or something like that. Him, him, actually, Patel and Kyle Jameson have just been hilarious at the amount of wickets <laughs> that they have taken at the start of their career. And it's like, occasionally, like, you know, me and other analysts are like, is there something to this? And it's like, no, there probably isn't. It's just dumb luck, but it's fantastically entertaining dumb luck. Yeah, well, I'll just take the predictions to finish this off. Of course, I've gone with an Australian victory. Jared, hijab, go for it. Australia. Mm-hmm. Australia. All right, then we have... Well, then we're either all right or all wrong. Yeah, well, this is going to make for good viewing in about a week or a little more than that. You know, we'll see. But anyway, thank you so Less much. Less than that. Doesn't that start on Wednesday? Yeah, it starts on Wednesday. So, yeah, about a week. Yeah. Oh, okay. You mean, we'll you mean yeah. the video. You mean when we're going to get clipped um, and yeah. you're going to be put up online. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> all of that. <laughs> all of that. But anyway... Uh, thank you so much for taking out the time, Jared. You've been very generous with it, and it was great fun doing this. And thank you, Hijab, as well. Sports Social Podcast Network.